Well, I knew that I was going to be a swirling mass of emotions when my oldest son started kindergarten a few weeks ago. Joy, sadness, a pinch of, of fear, pride. I mean, they were all there. I told my wife that I would probably cry a little bit, and I did. It didn't help that 30 seconds after dropping off our oldest son for kindergarten on the first day, our middle son called out from the back seat, I miss him. (laughs) It's like, thanks a lot. That helps. But you know, God created us with emotions. God created us with emotions. And thank goodness for that. Can you imagine hiking up to the top of that gorgeous mountain peak? holding your child for the first time, kissing your partner, mourning the loss of a loved one without emotion? Our emotions add color and meaning and texture to our lives. Our emotions make us human. They are the driving force behind so many things about what it means to be human. So many things in our lives from the decisions that we make to the ways we give and receive love to motivating us to act, to keeping us away from danger and harm. Helping one another to connect and understand each other better. And yet, we often don't know what to do with them. We often don't know what to do with them. We don't often or we don't always operate with a healthy space to deal with with what we feel, to deal with what we feel. Let's just go ahead and confess that and name that. Physically, we can tell when we're sick. We can tell when we've gained a little weight or when we've pulled a muscle. We're in tune with our physical condition because it's more tangible and obvious and visible, like, ow, okay, that hurts. We have a much harder time paying attention to our emotions. Most of us, if I had to guess, probably grew up and, and, and relate one of two ways to our emotions and how to deal with them based on, on our own temperament and our context of origin, right? Some of us are for, were formed in a way that said, stuff them, bury them. We don't talk openly or honestly uh, about them, uh, maybe not even internally process them, examine them, but deny, deflect, toughen up, right? Or... That's one, on one hand. Or some of us were formed in a way where the volume could be like at level 10 pretty quick, right? Everything gets out there in the open. And it's like this chaotic emotional dumping ground of yelling and crying and hugging and giving full vent to our emotions, letting them in the driver's seat so much that later we might even have to apologize for something. Right? The truth is, Probably most of us still fall primarily into one of those two camps when it comes to our emotions, denying our emotions on the one hand or letting them dictate and drive our entire life. And our culture doesn't help because instead of providing ways to help us understand and process our emotions, it usually provides avenues that just accentuate the default way we deal with them of handling our emotions It's really easy to bury our emotions in a culture of busyness, bury our emotions with busyness, or in the name of image management. On the other hand, it's also really easy to vent our emotions now, thanks to social media. So despite being created by God as emotional beings, we 
our emotional well-being is often an afterthought for us. And the symptoms still show themselves, don't they? Trouble sleeping, short fuse, unusual physical ailments, obsessive, controlling, erratic, forgetful behavior, inability to focus, shunning social activity, maybe even not wanting to pray or go to church. We need emotional margin. Emotional margin is being able to be aware of and handle our emotions in a healthy, God-glorifying way. Emotional margin is a middle way. It's a via media, if you will. Not denying our emotions, nor allowing them to overtake us in ways where we lose control. We need this kind of margin because of how tightly woven our emotions are with with every other part of our life, our existence. We need emotional margin to operate from a place of of well-being, of wholeness, stability, joy, resilience, generosity, strength to be the people God created us to be, living and serving God in the world. So today I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I'm going to jump around, I'm going to hop around in the Bible a little bit and and look at two people, what emotional margin looks like for them, and see what we could learn uh, to see what it might look like for, for us. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there. Grow us, transform us so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, Our first scripture reading comes this morning from Psalm 22, verses 1 through 21. My God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my anguished groans? My God, I cry out during the day, but you don't answer Even at nighttime, I don't stop. You are the Holy One enthroned. You are Israel's praise. Our ancestors trusted you. They trusted you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and they were saved. They trusted you and they weren't ashamed. But I'm just a worm, less than human, insulted by one person, despised by another. All who see me make fun of me. They gape, shaking their heads. He committed himself to the Lord. So let God rescue him. Let God deliver him because God likes him so much. But you, God, are the one who pulled me from the womb, placing me safely at my mother's breasts. I was thrown on you from birth. You've been my God since I was in my mother's womb. Please don't be far from me, because trouble is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Mighty bulls from Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths at me like a lion ripping and roaring. I'm poured out like water. All my bones have fallen apart. My heart is like wax. It melts inside me. My strength is dried up like a piece of broken pottery. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've set me down in the dirt of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of evil people encircle me like a lion. All my poor hands and feet. I I can count all my bones. Meanwhile, they just stare at me, watching me. They divvy up my garments among themselves. They cast lots for my clothes. But you, Lord, don't be far away. You are my strength. Come quick and help me. Deliver me from the sword. Deliver my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of the wild oxen. You've answered me. And then hopping over to Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to the disciples, stay here while I go and pray over there. When he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, he began to feel sad and anxious. Then he said to them, 
I'm very sad. It's as if I'm dying. Stay here and keep alert with me. Then he went a short distance farther and fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not what I want, but what you want. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So first, friends, David. David. David shows us that cultivating emotional margin means being aware of and honest about our emotions with God and ourselves. It means being aware of and honest about our emotions with God and ourselves. David wrote many of what we call the Psalms. The Psalms teach us how to pray. They give priority of voice to the vast breadth of human emotions that we feel. And give us permission to feel them. Psalm 22 is just one of many examples of David praying through his emotions with God. So that he externalizes them without letting them take him over. My God, why have you left me all alone? Why are you so far from my anguished groans? I'm just a worm. I'm less than human. I'm poured out like water. All my bones have fallen apart. My heart is like wax. My strength is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. All, right, all of these vivid phrases give voice to a particular emotion that David is feeling. He feels abandoned. He feels alone. He's emotionally spent. He's discouraged. He's distressed. He's being totally honest before God in the prayer. And in so doing, he's being honest with himself and before himself. Notice he's not passing judgment on what he's feeling. He's not condemning himself for feeling those things. He's just putting them out there before God. And as he does, part of his awareness with God and with himself, the other part rather, the other part of his awareness with God and with himself shows up too. Because David doesn't just name what he's feeling, he also traces the emotion to its source and then reorients it back to God. He traces the emotion to its source and then reorients it back to God. Emotions are like a stream. They have a source and origin. In other words, something causes us to feel a certain way, but they also have a destination. They lead somewhere. They'll take us somewhere. And the question is where? A good place or a bad place? David says, all who see me make fun of me, insulted by one person, despised by another, shaking their heads. Many bulls surround me. They open their mouths at me. Dogs surround me. Evil people circle me like a lion. That's David acknowledging honestly with God by his side the source of him feeling abandoned and alone and discouraged and distressed. Apparently, enemies are ridiculing him, trying to take advantage of him when he's in a vulnerable and in and, and a moment of trouble. So if that's the, the source of the emotion and what David feels, where does this emotion lead? Well, by praying them, David reorients what he's feeling back to God. David reorients what he's feeling back to God. God, I'm feeling alone and abandoned, he says, but then you are the Holy One, enthroned. Our ancestors trusted you and you rescued them. I'm feeling worthless, and then you're the one who pulled me from the wound and you've been my God. I'm spent, I'm discouraged, I'm distressed, but then you, God, are my strength. 
You see that? David is reorienting the trajectory of those emotions back to God and God's character so that he's not driven and taken by them in a bad direction. So if, if we want to have emotional margin, we need to be honest with God and ourselves, praying through our emotions, processing them without guilt or judgment with God. Allow yourself to feel, name it to God, prayerfully ask, what, what is it that's tugging at my heart? What am I feeling? Why? What's the source of that emotion? Is it God? Is it something else? Trace it back. If the source is God, then give thanks and praise and glory to God. If the source is not of God, then reorient that emotion back to God anyway, based on God's nature and character, so that that emotion doesn't drive you to someplace unhealthy and unholy. Now, a, a really great resource for this, besides the Psalms themselves, to help us pray through our emotions, is an ancient practice of prayer called the examine. The examine, it's a, it's a game changer. I promise you, if you've never done this way of praying, it is a game changer. It's a practice of prayer that invites reflecting with God over the events and the emotions of our day in a very methodical way. And there's even an app for it. There's even an awesome app for it called Reimagining the Examine. So when you leave worship, look it up on, on where you get your apps and, and give it a try. Reimagining the Examine. So that's first, uh, looking at David and the way he, he prayed through his emotions honestly with, with God. Second, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus shows us that cultivating emotional margin means sharing with trusted people. Means sharing with trusted people. In his moment of greatest emotional distress, as Jesus comes to grips with his but the impending reality of his death. Jesus asks his most trusted friends, the disciples, to sit up with him. Even Jesus needed to share and confide with others what he was feeling. Even Jesus, who if any person on the face of the planet had the strength to be able to swallow emotion, he would, did not want to bury or deny what he was feeling and needed a safe space to express it. These were the friends that he had, had confided in for, for several years. This was a safe community that had mutually shared and confided with Jesus too so that everyone wanted to see everybody else flourish. Who knows, maybe there was even some mutual sharing that night as the disciples also shared why they, what, what they were afraid of, what they were anxious about with Jesus. Friends, if you are ever tempted to hide your emotions from friends or family, Listen to what Jesus said to his own friends in Gethsemane because these are not the words of a person who is hiding feelings or trying to handle them alone. I'm very sad. It's as if I'm dying. Stay here with me. Sharing your emotions honestly with people you trust, including maybe even a therapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist, is not a sign of weakness or a lack of faith, but of humanity, humility, and faithfulness. Because the God who loves us wants to see us flourish and be whole. Now let me say that again because the church has not always gotten this right. Sharing your emotions honestly with people you trust, including maybe even a therapist, counselor, or psychiatrist, is not a sign of weakness or a lack of faith, 
but of humanity, humility, and faithfulness because the God who loves us wants to see us be whole and to flourish. It is an invitation to let others love us so that we don't have to sit alone with the deep things that we feel, be they positive or negative. As a pastor, I confess I've come to discover just how bad we are as a group, as a whole, doing what Jesus did, doing this. Entering into a safe community or friend space to share emotion. Of course, the irony is, right, like pastors, we are often uh, that trusted person for other people to share what they are feeling. So we, you would think we should know better, right? But it's hard. And especially during this pandemic, especially during this pandemic, emotional margin for me has often come as a gift in the form of church staff meetings. Whether conference call meetings with, with Ben and, and Jenny, whether uh, in-person staff meetings at, at Wake Forest UMC, both have been safe communities where emotions can be shared like Jesus did with his friends. Ho- uh, joy, sadness, hope, frustration, confusion, clarity. I, I can't speak for, for others that are, that are in these groups, but it has been medicine for me. Maybe something like that would be medicine for you too. After all, the phrase good friends are good medicine isn't just a nice cliche, it's biblical. <laughs> and it's fact. As Dr. Frederick Flock, psychiatrist, writes, there's perhaps no more effective way to relieve psychic pain than to be in contact with another human being who understands what you're going through and can communicate such understanding to you. So if you find yourself overcome with joy and thanksgiving, share it with a friend or family member. If you find yourself emotionally empty, go to a caring friend or family member. If if you're having trouble processing or handling what you are feeling, talk to someone you trust. Someone who can help you live in the margin between burying your emotions and letting them rule your life. In the uncertain and downright traumatic times that we've been living in the last year and a half, having a margin for our emotions is actually harder but more important than ever, friends. It can be very easy for survivor mode to kick in. For survivor mode to kick in. During extreme stress, the primitive area of our brain that monitors basic survival instinct takes over and the more advanced areas of our brain that handle logic and higher learning shut down. When our brains are in survival mode, one of the first things that go out the window is our emotional well-being. Our emotional reserves get depleted. And we're trying to make it through our days either like, like a driver ignoring that the car is on empty or driving out of control trying to get to the nearest station. We are emotional beings living in the world, so when life happens to us, emotions happen in us. They aren't bad, but we need a wholly healthy emotional margin. We need need space to cultivate the ability to be aware of, to process, to manage what we feel. God made us to feel. It's a gift. 
Emotions help us gauge where our hope is. They add texture to life. They motivate us to act in certain ways, but they're not meant to guide and direct everything we say and do. And so how, however you come today, however you come today, whatever you feel, because we're all feeling stuff, we're human, whatever emotions are there, I pray that, that you would take advantage the two other gifts God gave us to help us with our emotions. Honest prayer, honest relationships. So that we might be able to be the fully human and whole people that God made us to be. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.